0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Today, I am very happy to be joined by Pascal Agboyebor. Pascal's practice at leading African and international law firm Asafo & Co. focuses on energy, mining, infrastructure, Project development, all with a keen focus on African markets. Pascal advises on strategic and complex matters from various sectors, particularly project finance and MA transactions, major concessions and cross border investments on behalf of governments, multilaterals, lenders and private investors. Pascal has been highly ranked for mining projects, banking, capital markets, project finance, project development. And energy in- infrastructure, as well as international projects, African projects from France in all major directories, including Chambers Globals, IFLR, Legal 500, Law 360, and Who's Who Legal in France over the past decade now since 2017 Pascal was consistently ranked number one or number two in the top most influential lawyers in Africa by Jean-Afrique and in 2020 he was also ranked 17 among the top 50 African disruptors in the Africa report so Pascal a very very warm welcome indeed to the podcast thank you now, let's dive straight into some questions. Now, your firm, of which you are a founding partner, are Sappho & Co., you are certainly making waves. And I'm aware that your approach and structure is not the most common for those firms who put Africa at the center of much of their uniqueness. So share with us a little background detail on the creation, development, and structure of the firm.
1: All right, thank thank you, Tom. Um, very, very, very glad to be here with you uh, today, and uh, glad to, to to have this conversation with, with you about uh, Asafu and uh, and Co. We we launched these uh, these projects, in fact, two years ago, precisely two years ago. Uh, as you say, it's a unique uh, it's a unique venture, unique structure. Um, the the idea is based on uh, on the on the notion that. Uh, given uh, the state of the continent and the ambition of uh, an acceleration of its transformation, that uh, uh, there is a need of competent lawyer, world-class lawyer, uh, absolutely 100% dedicated to the continent. We started uh, in Paris, uh, then uh, in Abidjan, then uh, Johannesburg, and very quickly, uh, Kenya, Nairobi, and Mombasa, Casablanca, then Johannesburg again, London, and Washington, D.C., uh, in terms of uh, in terms of structure, as you can imagine, there are there are technicalities and uh, and uh, complexity because of course things depend on the regulatory uh, framework everywhere we go. But let's let's put it simple. We are and uh, uh, we continue to be a single firm. We are uh, operating as a single firm, and where the uh, regulations do not allow. Uh, our our local offices to be uh, 100% part of a global firm, then, of course, there are contractual arrangements. But I'm very, very pleased to say that the uh, uh, this firm is really an integrated firm in terms of uh, vision, in terms of operations, in terms of uh, uh, approach to clients, including, of course, the core notion of this pro- profession, which is uh, the, the conflict of interest all uh, our offices are operating uh with a view of protecting our client against any adverse uh, uh action from uh, from anywhere so uh, all the offices share the same client base and uh, uh any 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 matter operating uh, any matter operate uh, uh, opening sorry is uh, is done in the in uh the, in um, in the respect of uh, of uh, of uh common uh, clients search process.
0: And it's very interesting, you know, you reference that need for consistent and increasingly high quality legal advice in relation to the continent. And it reminds me of uh, some of the key points that were raised by uh, Daniel Driscoll at uh, Endeavour Mining Corporation in a recent interview with Africa Legal, where he kind of weighs up the uh, the pros and the cons of approaches where one is having to utilize both international law firms and local African law firms and it sounds to me like a Sappho I, I know that Daniel's actually a, a, a client um, are really trying to bridge that gap without having to be instructing multiple firms multiple jurisdictions in addition to that international component. And this very much ties in with the firm's motto, which is Africa's international law firm. Now, I'm sure that this, in isolation, could mean many different things to many different people, but what does it mean to you and the wider firm? What's the rationale behind this rather novel statement?
1: Yeah, thank you. In fact, Africa's international law firm, uh, first of all, uh, the firm was launched in, in Paris uh, by lawyers coming from, uh, from, uh, from a US firm and then joined by other lawyers uh, coming also from, uh, from global firms, whether UK or, or US. From that point of view, day one, we, 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 we were an international law firm. Uh, the reason of Africa's uh, international law firm is simply that the firm is focused and dedicated uh, to, to Africa. So the ambiguity may be the firm is not African. Again, we started in Paris and they are loyal. They are British citizens, American citizens, Africans. So it is not an African firm. Uh, Sometimes people say it's a pan-African firm. That could be true in terms of our pan-African coverage. But the reality is simply that this is a firm with a multiple location. Uh, offices in London, offices in Washington, D.C., in uh Paris, in uh, Casablanca. From that point of view, it is necessarily uh, an international law firm. Um, we do only Africa. Uh, so, yes, so the simplest way to define uh, what we're doing is that we are uh, the Africa's international law firm.
0: I very much like that. It's, it's a great way to avoid any pigeonholing, which I think the legal press, you know, our, ourselves included have been guilty of for a long, long time when we're desperate to say, Oh, this firm is X and this firm is Y. I think your, your message is we are a, a, a global law firm with a keen focus on Africa who needs to have and has. Uh, offices in in many, many different jurisdictions without necessarily having to say, right, we're an African law firm or an international law firm. And, uh, you know, long may it continue. I think it's it's certainly uh, a trailblazing concept. Um, to be applauded. And look, speaking of footprint and offices, the firm has already developed a rather comprehensive uh, footprint on the African continent with multiple offices spanning major jurisdictions, as you've mentioned, such as South Africa, Cote d'Ivoire and Morocco. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask what's next for the firm? What does the future hold uh, both on footprint, offices, hires? What, What can you give us a sneak peek into?
1: You know, the, the, joke, the joke here, uh, my colleagues uh, joke that every time I travel, I come back with an idea of a new office to, to, to open. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I confirm that we, we, we remain very ambitious. We have ambitions. And uh, while the, uh, the initial uh, goal was to have, uh, to have a presence in uh, the key hubs on the continent, uh, there are many hubs because the reasons and uh, the, the role of the uh, hubs can be different. So, all I can say is that yes, even in 2021, very likely that the firm is going to to, to open uh, new offices on the continent. But uh, you know, we cannot exclude elsewhere, whether 2020 or, or 2021 20, uh, or 22. Um, I think. You know the, the the rationale behind what we are doing is simply target is clients and the, and the continents. We will be everywhere it makes sense for our clients to be to best serve them. That's exactly why this uh, one less than one month ago we have opened in Washington DC. Tomorrow we we could open in uh, Japan. We can we could open in China as we could uh, we could open in uh, in uh, in other jurisdictions again in a in a, on the continent depending on the Regulatory, uh, you see,
0: Pascal, if, if I were, if I were at some of my former employers, I think there would be a cheeky headline tomorrow, um, a Sappho Mulls Japan opening. But rest assured that we are, we are not the traditional legal press. But, um, I, I very much love the energy and the idea that when Pascal is traveling, he doesn't bring back snow globes to the office. He brings back, uh, potential ideas for new offices. <laughs> And, you know, you were talking about hubs here, and I was particularly interested recently when I was having a conversation with one of your partners, uh, uh, George uh, uh, Ruba uh, Gumya. Um, When it comes to hubs, um, uh, you know, Africa Legal's own work with the Rwanda government and the Kigali International Financial Center has shown just how active and ambitious that jurisdiction is. So with regard to East Africa, if I may, a little bit of a deeper dive there. Um, what, what are you seeing as trends when it comes to the East African market at the moment? Where is most client demand and need focusing? And how is the firm acting to, to respond to such demands and needs?
1: You, as you know, we have two offices in Kenya, uh, Nairobi and uh, and Mombasa. The main office being in uh, in Nairobi, and uh, the Nairobi office is uh, is covering uh, has a regional uh, role is is covering the whole East Africa uh, region. I believe, in terms of uh, of trends and activity, despite of course the COVID and uh, the difficulty uh, during. The last few months, uh, for trips, uh, business trips, Kenya is still, uh, attracting, uh, interests, uh, investments. Of course, as you, as you mentioned, uh, um, Rwanda, of course, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is probably the most attractive place currently for, uh, for a number of, uh, initiatives, uh, um, the country is taking and which clearly, uh, uh clearly, uh, attract uh, interest in Rwanda and Kigali, but uh, I would say that you have to be patient uh, 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 a little bit to hear from us what uh, SAFO and Co uh, are likely to to do there. Otherwise, yes, my my answer is uh, clearly Kenya. Uh, things happening in Tanzania, but more more on the contentious front. A lot of uh, arbitrations probably. Because of uh, the restructurings or turbulences on the in the mining uh, sector, um, of course, still uh, still movement on the uh, oil and gas uh, sector with uh, ramifications in uh, in uh, in uh, you know in Uganda for uh, for example. I believe number of uh, of players have uh, prepared themselves for uh, themselves for uh, uh, for a move in Ethiopia. Uh, there is a pause for the moment, but in terms of uh, what trend has seen clearly, the potential of, of uh, you, know, you know, TAPI, uh, um, we have seen from clients and law firms themselves uh, position themselves for uh, for uh, for any major uh, um, um, opportunities uh, there.
0: Thanks, Pascal, for that insight. It is certainly a region filled with opportunity. Uh, To pivot to something ever so slightly different, you know, we mentioned in your biography that you were noted in 2020 as a key disruptor for the African continent. Now, I'm really keen to know, what does this mean to you and what really does need disrupting in relation to Africa's key markets? So, excuse the broad question, but as a noted disruptor, I think you're you're much uh, well placed to answer.
1: Oh, thank you for that question. By the way, I I was not aware and I don't think the firm was aware of that ranking, so it came as a as a surprise but the nice one. Um, I think the, uh, the rationale behind, uh, especially uh, being a disruptor, um, the, the point is simply that what we have been trying to do at Asafu & Co. Is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is just so new uh, and different. And by the way, the firm is not different. I would say the firm is unique uh, for the reason that there is no other firm that uh, combine what we, we have uh, uh, global, uh, expertise and local, uh, coverage, uh, as we have, you know, English law, French law, uh, US law, if I may say, Chinese law. There's no, no form like, like that. So it's unique. And the disruption, the notion of disruption is simply the way we are tackling, uh, things, uh, with, uh, with uh, energy, ambition, uh, not just following existing lines or existing uh, habits uh uh but clearly clearly creating waves in a in a positive way and I would like to say if this if I can take this thing factor as a compliment I would say yes we the, the, what' the foreign call uh try to do one we were thinking of clients do something that is uh, just so adapted unique for for clients clearly, the combination of local uh, coverage and the international expertise is, uh, is, uh, is unique for clients. Second, for the lawyers, either, either uh, senior lawyers or younger lawyers. Um, you know, when you're uh, even a performing partner in a global firm, you're still maybe a, a small number of uh, colleagues, uh, five, 10 in, uh, uh, out of 2,000 lawyers. You do not look at the same horizon as your colleagues. What ASAFO is doing is you, if you are a performing lawyer, then you, you are likely to be even more performant as a at as because you have colleagues who share your, your passion, your interest, your, uh, your focus for, for Africa. And for the younger generations, I think what ASAFO and Co is offering is also is a career path. When you join this firm and you specialize in Africa, you're not losing anything in terms of ambition. You can continue focusing, improving your, your, your knowledge, your technicality, and specialize, be a partner later, but known as an African specialist, which is not necessarily the case in global global front. I think those are, you know, the nuances, changes, uh, uh, um, innovations, and uh, the combination, if you call it, uh, if they call it disruptor, I am not against. But uh, yes, that's what how we see things.
0: Uh, Pascal, I couldn't agree more. Particularly with a couple of points there. I think the need to provide a conduit for a passion for Africa in legal practice, is absolutely vital and to be applauded. And to be able to do that whilst placing that passion in the context of an international law firm with a with a global client base is even rarer, but again, even more, more necessary. You know, the global firms, many do wonderful work, obviously. You know, we're not here to, to bad mouth anyone. But as a junior associate or an associate in these giant places, you'll you, you mention about different horizons for different people. It really does resonate with me. And I don't say that a lot of, especially if you're based in London, Toronto, New York, uh, you know anywhere outside of the continent, your Africa work will often be uh, a nice to have or a peripheral component. So your development in that is bound to be peripheral to more uh, work associated with your own jurisdiction. Whereas what a Sappho might be able to offer is placing that interest and that engagement and that client focus on Africa at its very heart, which is which is which is very rare. And I think on the client side of things, It still amazes me how many law firms will talk strategy without mentioning clients in the opening sentence, um, which is where it demands to be. So that's refreshing to see. And I I hope that the, the holy grail for me would actually be the development of a firm that not only services existing clients with that keen engagement in Africa, but actually evokes and encourages international businesses without an African footprint to think about doing so and to think about expanding into this incredible continent now that they're assured that at least their legal and their compliance and their business advice on offer is there to be had rather than that being another herder or impediment to them doing so. So a, a, a thumbs up and a, a, a big hope for, uh, for that to occur in the future. And Look, with, with the point around disruption in mind, Pascal, we touched upon some of these in relation to the junior end of the profession and, and partners having different horizons. But what are some of the trends you've seen in relation to legal services and the legal profession during your significant time working in African markets? You know, what has changed for the better? But what is still very much left to remedy with, with great urgency?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess uh question is uh in relation to, to uh to, to Africa or Africa work, of course, because I've been practicing in uh in Europe, but the question is uh is uh, uh on Africa. I believe I believe uh, the change clearly is uh, uh the uh, significant involvement uh, uh of the private sector and the probably the, the translation from uh from uh, uh fully public uh, uh, deals and uh, inter-sovereign deals to uh, hybrid and uh, purely private uh, deals. I think that is, uh, you know, uh, 30 years ago, uh, um, public public investment meant uh, sovereign France would lend money to Africa, an African country and then uh, the country would sublend uh, the uh, the fund to a public uh, 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 enterprise, and uh, so tra- tra- how can I say transactions were were sovereign with what it means in terms of structuring uh, um, evaluation of, uh, of of risk. People say less sophisticated, uh, but in a way, it's simply because the approach of risk and uh, uh, and the mitigation of risk is uh, probably less, less, less time consuming as opposed to today where uh, private players, uh, investors, uh, insurers, and others, and each of them, of course, addressing their uh, specific situation in terms of uh, risk, and of course, in terms of uh, 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 exit, uh, in terms of uh, financing, in, in terms of, in terms of a guarantee. I think the main change is there. But that is exactly what is exciting uh, for a project like, like ours, moving from a purely uh, sovereign world to hybrid or uh, 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 private sector-driven uh, transactions. And uh, uh, <coughs> from, from, from there, a young lawyer who really uh, uh, aspires to become a sophisticated business lawyer, there is a field there, really, really, as we said earlier, to, to build and to enjoy uh, a career. And the main change probably is, uh, is there for me, Tom.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, the the sovereign middleman, as it were, has proved a great, like you said, risk mitigation tool and and method in the past. But the real innovation has got to come from direct transactions between private enterprise. You know, that's where things happen potentially at greater speed, with a a greater risk appetite, um, with a, a greater uh, utilization and demand for innovative solutions and structuring and so on. So like you said, a great strides forward when it comes to the business communities in Africa, and also a great stride forward when it comes to opportunity for those young lawyers uh, looking to really make their mark. Um, Pascal, that that does bring us to time, I'm, I'm sad to say, but I want to thank you once again for joining me for what has been a, a fascinating discussion.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
0: A real pleasure. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, If you are new to the Africa Legal podcast and want to peruse our entire back catalogue, this is available on all major podcast channels such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And as always, don't forget to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. So without further ado, this has been Tom Pearson signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast.